So we're having so much fun here. And what I love is the scripture actually says that we are living epistles. Like we tell the story of God in our lives by the way that we live and interact. And so what I love about this church, and, 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 uh, and we're not trying to like put ourselves on a pedestal, but when I say this church, I mean the stories, the testimonies, the, the, the live uh, acts of God that are taking place in our life going forward. Um, I love how authentic and how real that is. We are real people that live in a real world trusting a real God. And I think for me, being a, a person who grew up in church, um, it was really different for me at age 30, 31, when I said, when we got the call of God to start this church, it was like, okay, cool. And then we opened the planning book and it was blank. <laughs> so it was like, okay, God, you've called us to do this, but how are we going to do it? And the beauty in that, despite all the hard work, the beauty in that was like, it was like, okay, God, here's how you've called church to be. Let's do it. So as God was like speaking to us, we were able, instead of, you know, having to, well, we've always done it this way and we've always done it that way. Um, we've, we've been so blessed to be able to say, okay, God, let's do it your way. Amen. And so it's just been a way with real people trusting, you know, it's real people living in a real world, trusting a real God. And uh, what's interesting to me is the very, I love this idea that the very first thing that God ever said was not good in scripture so all the things, actually God goes on and he lists all these things that are good. He said, trees I made are good and water and, and earth and Anna, all these things are good. And then he stops and he goes, whoa, that right there, that thing is not good. And he stops and it's the first time in scripture he mentions something as not being good. And what is that thing? It's when Adam was alone. It was when mankind had loneliness. They had a place where they didn't have a place to connect. They, they, they said, hey, it's not good that he's alone. So of course we know that Eve was created to be alongside because life is better done together. Somebody say amen. And so whether you're a Christian or you're, uh, I hate this term, but some people say you're far from God. Maybe you feel far from God. Um, you're just somebody who, uh, hey, church isn't my thing or that's not my, wh whatever spectrum you're on, the truth is the way that you're wired is to be in fellowship and community with others, amen? You aren't meant to do life by yourself. Ecclesiastes 4.9 talks about it. It says two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. That's what this church is. We're not here uh, to you know, come up with the next catchy uh, logo and brand and you know, build up this thing about ourselves and how we, we're here to help each other succeed in the kingdom of God in our community, amen? The ways of God that he gave to us, we say, hey, now let's help each other succeed in these. The problem is we live in a culture that's very I-driven, iPad, iPod, I, you can customize everything to your own setting. So basically our world is like, hey, what you should do is make everything about yourself, <laughs> You know, we get in our cars and the, your wife has her settings on her seat and the key fob remembers that. And, you know, all of these things are about how you want it and I want it and I want it. And the danger is if we don't intentionally put ourselves in situations where we connect and interact with each other, we're going to be isolated to a point that God would say, hey, that's not good. You're living in a way that you're out on an island and that's not a good thing. Amen. So that's what the church is created to do. The church is created to come in and be alongside each other and be alongside the community. I love this thought that says, hey, if your church closed, would the community know it? And so we need to live in a way that's like, hey, we need to be making a difference that our community knows, hey, we're here for you. You're not alone. We got your back. We love you. We, we realize we live in a real world with real people, but we trust and we know that there's a real God that can make a difference. Amen. Have you ever had something really terrible happen in your life? And the only reason you got through it is because somebody went through it with you, yeah. right? 
They say, oh my gosh, this thing happened and I never would have made it unless so-and-so was there to take a phone call or my husband or my wife was alongside or the kids or whatever. That's what the church is supposed to be to this world. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but that church spoke life to me and those people, they reached out to me. Somebody say amen. And so that's what we're trying to do here at this church is be somebody who can come alongside and say, hey, you don't have to do it on your own. We're here with you. We can help you make it through. Uh, loneliness, I think, is one of the, the, the most painful emotions you can experience, being alone. Because you feel like, you know, there's nothing else you can grab. You can be angry and reach out to somebody, or you can be this and reach out. But to be lonely and have no one to, that's painful. And have you ever been, like, out at a football field or, or been in, you know, you're working out or you're doing something, and you just get so thirsty. It's hot, maybe you're outside, whatever. And you, you just get to the point where you're like, man, all I don't even need a lot of water. Just, just give me something. I just need one little drink. And when you get to that water, just that one little, and it you just hits you, and you're like, oh, my God. And, it, and you can feel it going all the way down. How many know what I'm talking about? And that water is like the best water you've ever tasted. We can be that to the world. A world that's like, I'm hurting. I'm desperate. I need something. Just give me. And we can just give them a little taste of the goodness of God. What that's going to do in their life, they'll never forget. Somebody say amen. Some of the most comforting words we can hear in our life is when we say things like, hey, I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. Or we say things, some of the best words we can hear is when somebody literally just says, I know, I understand. If we could be a church that comes alongside our community and says, hey, I know, I get it. I understand. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to get through this. Isn't that so much better than being like, hey, we've got a perfect doctrine. Come look at it. That's not how we're going to reach people. Your doctrine's important, but it's important for us. If, if that's all you have and you don't have love, the scripture says it's no good. All right, you're with me. Think about songs. Oftentimes, you'll be in places of your life, and then you'll hear a song that just says it right, right? And you're like, oh, they get it. They understand. We can be that as a church. We can be that when someone's in a place of desperation and they come in and they either hear a word or a song or they get a handshake and they go, hey, this place gets it. At the deepest level, they've connected with me. That's what we ought to be. Amen? Psychiatrists say that the number one longing of the human heart is to feel a part of a family or to feel like they belong to something. So what a great opportunity as a church in this whole nation, as the church of God. How, how important is it for us to say, hey, you belong isn't it interesting that too often uh, some churches build up, you know, rules and regulations and all these walls and we put up all these things and until you get it perfect and put together, don't come here, right? How many have ever experienced something like that? Well, you didn't say it just right and you didn't just do it right. No, we're called to be a place that says, hey, you belong. Come in, be alongside this. We want to help you through it. Amen. I noticed in my um, family life, uh, even at a very young age, that desire to belong or to be a part of something takes place at a very young age. My daughter's almost three. And if you watch her play with her toys already, she gets all the princesses together and they're talking together. And what is she doing? She's building a little place when she's playing of people that communicate and belong and connect and relate to each other. And, and then what's the next thing? You know, they want baby dolls and they got these little thing of baby dolls and they take care of them. What are they doing? She's building in her little playland family and community and a place that she can connect. Amen. And we do it all throughout our life. You know, we, we then, you know, as you grow up and you're a teenager, you have your friend circles and then you start dating and you get married and then you get a dog and then you have kids and you regret getting a dog. And then, you know, it's like, 
but you keep building all these little pockets of community uh, of things. Why? Because that's how we're wired is to be in, communicate, in community with one another. And I'm frustrated with modern church because, and none of you do this, trust me, none of you do this. But people come in two minutes before service and they leave while we're finishing. Again, none of you do it. But uh, they leave as fast as they can. And, uh, and, and the, the ripoff in that is we lack community. We miss out on connecting one another and, and bumping elbows and saying, hey, what's going on? And the thing is, somebody somewhere will meet that need in their heart if the church doesn't do it. So some psycho online, some crazy thing, who's going to accept somebody. And we got to be in and meet the need before they go to the wrong place for it. Amen? Hebrews 4.15 talks about how God did this for us. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So So God is in heaven. And he says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to restore mankind. I'm going to take their sins on me and I'm going to put them right back in relationship with me. The blood of Jesus is going to cover. It's going to give them opportunity uh, to spend eternity through salvation with me. But what he's saying here too in the scripture, in this verbiage you'll see in a minute, it's God coming down to earth, taking on flesh and blood and being a savior who can say, I know what it was like to live on earth and to deal with what you deal with. I'm with you. Me too. We can do it. I understand. God came down so he could say, I understand what it's like to deal with what you deal with. Somebody say amen. But it says in all ways he was tempted, but without sin. He led the way. Hebrews 12 2 says, we are looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus made, made it through. He accomplished what he was called to accomplish here. He's led the way. And what I love about this, you have all the names of God, Jehovah Jireh and all these things. But we could also say our God is the God who knows what it's like to live here. He understands all your pains, all your hurts, all your frustrations. And the church should, should be that too. We're the body of Christ, right? And so in our communities, we need to say, hey, come here. Come alongside and be here and be a part because we know what it's like. We get it. Amen. It's too often, uh, you know, church or God is made out to be the angry lightning bolt throwing God up in heaven who's, get it, who's ready to get you, you know? And it's not the case. He's ready to say, hey, I'm with you. You can do this. I believe in you. Uh, you can never shake your fist at God, according to the scripture. You can never shake your fist at God and say, you don't understand. You don't know what it's like. It says, and always was tempted as we are. He knows what it is to have a bad day. Amen. There's a psychiatrist, Laura Stevens. She talks about when she had really hard cases, what she would do is she would actually separate these two people and she would go into the rooms at different times and she would get them as mad as possible. She wasn't having breakthrough, having conversation with them. So she would go in and actually do things to get them irate. And when she got them both at their boiling points, totally irate, she stuck them in the same room together and, and left, left these two angry people in the room together. And she would come back time later and they would have like worked through all their problems. And she said, sometimes there's just something about two people screaming alongside each other that brings health and restoration. And you kind of work out, could it be that God came down, took on flesh and blood, went through some things that we go through and kind of screamed alongside us in this earth? Could you, am I stretching it too much for you? Look at these words. He said things like, I'm thirsty, God, 
Why have you forsaken me? He said, could this cup pass? If there's any way with this, he was saying, I'm screaming here that in my flesh, this doesn't feel good. This is a real thing I'm going through. He endured like we endured, amen? He came, took on flesh and blood. And he's a God that can say, I hear you. I've been there. I know what's going on. Hebrews, this is the best part of it. I already read you the first part, but let me read you the second part. Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, here's the best part. He says, let us therefore, because he did that, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What I love about this is God is pulling for you. He's saying, hey, I understand it's tough and it's hard and and going through life in this real world is a big deal. But guess what? I have grace for you. I want you to make it. I want you to come into a place like this with all your shortcomings and all your faults and all the things that you feel like are separating you from God. Take those things to me because I have grace for you. Amen? Maddie, would you come play? We're going to close here in a minute. One of the misconceptions that I think is too evident in people's lives in church is the idea that Hey, and I hear this all the time with people. Hey, what you been up to? How's things going? Hey, you know, we're doing this church. Yeah, you know what? I need to get back there. I need to get back to church. I need, let me, let me work on a few things. Let me get a few things put together. I got to fix this and then I'll come back. No, the grace is here now for you where you are. God's saying, hey, I understand we're tempted and we struggle and we have all these kinds of things, but come to the place where the grace is for you. And of course, God can meet you in your homes and wherever you are. It doesn't have to be to a church. But this is a body of people that believe in you and are cheering for you. And so is God. Listen to how he created you. Your brain is about three pounds. It weighs about three pounds. Some of you less, but average person three. <laughs> but it has the ability to make a hundred trillion, or it, it has the, and I don't know how they measured this, but it has the ability to hold a hundred trillion bits of information. It makes 15,000 decisions a second when you eat. So you're eating something at a second, 15,000 decisions are happening. It has the ability to remember 10,000 odors. You're like, oh, that's a lot of odors. But if I started saying gasoline and apple pie and the smell of paint or whatever, all of a sudden you're like, boy, maybe I do have a lot of smells remembered. But your, your mind is unbelievable. Your body has the chemicals needed to heal itself. You get a cut, what does your body start doing? Oh, better close that up. Better like you were created unbelievable. When God created you, he created you to succeed. He created you to be incredible. 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed or restored with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, verse 19, the key, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot. God has high value on your life. Don't let anybody tell you differently. It says you weren't redeemed or bought back and you're the opportunity for salvation and eternity. It wasn't like a deal negotiated by the world's wealthiest. The most precious thing possible, sinless blood was given for you. Why? Because he thinks the world of you. You're so valuable to him. You're the most incredible. He said, I'm going all in with all I got because you matter the most to me. He sent his son. Why? Because you have value. So why do we stumble into a church like, oh, God, I don't know if I should be here. I got these sins. I got these things. Jesus is saying, I already paid for that. Let's just come. Come here to this place of grace where I can meet you because I value the mess out of you. Somebody say amen. 
the, the economy tells us that our value comes from rarity, the rarity of diamonds and, and gasoline and all this stuff, gold. So roughly, there are 6.2 billion people in the world right now. 133,000 were born today, roughly, in the United States. Uh, 400,000 are born a day in the world. 60 billion people since time have been born, but nobody has your thumbprint. You literally are one of a kind. So to God in his mind, when he created you, I'm making you a one of a kind, I'm making you a one of a kind of all these billions. The rarity that you are to God is one of a kind. Don't let the pressure and the things of the world belittle you or tear you down or the things of your past. Don't let those things take away from how God feels about you. There's grace for you and he cares about you and he went all in on you. Somebody say amen. The odds of you being born is 130 octillion to one. That's 130 with 27 zeros behind it. 130, 27 zeros you write behind it. That's the odd from conception to you being born. That's all the things that had to go right for you to be here. Somebody had a hand on that, amen? God cared about you getting here. Why? Because he cares about you. Because he sees you as valuable. He sees you as important, amen? If God cares that much about you, how much should we care about people in our community? How much should this church care about those that we're surrounded with? People always say, ah, but church, I don't know. It's so full of rules. It's so full of all this stuff. The Bible has more promises for your life than it does rules. That whole idea of like, well, it's got these rules. Yeah, but the rules work like this. My daughter has a knife and she's walking towards the electrical socket. I'm going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. <clears throat> don't put that in there. <clears throat> That's going to hurt you. That's not good for your life. <clears throat> That's what the ways of God's and the principle of God are. He's saying, hey, 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 don't live like that. That's going to hurt you. That's going to be bad for you. Instead, it's better. And I have a promise set up for you that if you live this way, all these things shall follow you all the days of your life. Amen. And so the church isn't full of rules. The church is full of promises for your life. Hebrews 10, 24 talks about the gathering of the church and the gathering of believers and the gathering of, of people coming alongside each other and caring for each other. Hebrews 10, 40, 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's what the church is. It's us coming together and worshiping God and motivating each other towards love and acts of good work. Verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hey, the more we grow, the more the day approaches, the more the, word get, the world gets scary and the more the world gets dark and the more the world, all these things, it's more important for us to gather and cheer each other on towards love and good works and worshiping our God. Amen? I love this idea. We have this pressure on us that, oh, for me to be a, an active part of the church or for me to make a difference, I have to be this big thing. I got to be the pastor or the worship leader or I have to start my own ministry or I have to sell everything that I own and go be a minister in Africa. And what? It, listen, you're called to let your light shine. That's what you're called to do. Just be a light in darkness. Darkness can't stay where light is. But a lot of times we, we get all caught up in the brightness of the kind of light that we need to be and all the hype that goes with it. But I love this saying. It says, we all want to be the chandelier in God's living room, but we don't want to be a nightlight in God's hall. But can I tell you that the nightlight 
has helped a lot more people from stumbling in the dark than the chandelier ever will. If we can just be a consistent light of love, we can stop the stumbling that happens in the world and in our communities. If we can all just say, hey, I don't have to be the chandelier. I don't have to get the credit. I just want to be a person who stops people from stumbling by shining a little bit of my light. We can make a difference in our communities. Amen? Won't you stand? Once you bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to be out of here in just a minute, but I want to give you a really awesome opportunity to, to pray and agree with us. If you're here with nobody looking around, if you're here this morning, you say, man, Pastor Josh, I hear what you're saying. I'm connecting with, with the word of God this morning. I'm in a position where I do need to come to the place of grace. I do need to connect back in the things of God, or maybe for the first time for you, it is connecting for the first time with God. You're not going to have to take a class. We're not going to make you do anything like that. The scripture says that all who call upon my name shall be saved. Scripture says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Your sins are forgiven. So here's what we're going to do today. If that's you and you say, yeah, today I want to make a decision for God. I want to make a decision to be a Christ follower and to start on this journey with God. You're not going to leave your seat. You're not going to come forward. Nothing like that. Just when I count to three, I'll have you put your hand up and then together, all of us will pray a prayer. You won't be singled out, nothing like that. I just want you in your heart to make that acknowledgement with God. And on three, I'll have you raise your hand so that I know I'm praying for you. But if that's you in here today, you wanna make a fresh start. You came to this open house to check it out, but you didn't know that God was gonna do something in your life that would change you for the better forever. If that's you, with nobody looking around, when I count to three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. See that hand? Anybody else? See those? See that one? Anybody else? See that one? Cool. See that one? Awesome. What's awesome about this decision is that God, who knows what it's like, steps into your life in a way that you can't explain. I sit with people all the time that say, yeah, when I made that decision for Christ, man, things got easier. And there's times that it gets harder for sure. But all of a sudden that habit didn't have me like it used to, or that way of thinking didn't have me like it used to, or that depression left or that anxiety left. It's because you, you made space for that God to come alongside and say, hey, I'm with you. You don't have to carry this by yourself. Amen. Let me pray for you. Here's how we're going to do it. You're just going to repeat after me. When I count, when I pray, you just repeat after me. So uh, all of us together are going to do it again. You won't be singled out, but, but it's a huge deal. It's a simple deal, but it's an incredible deal that changes your life forever. So let's say this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.